welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Really glad that you're here. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at, um, at Elevate Life, and we're starting, a new, we're starting a new series talking about the U Effect. And before we just jump into that, if you're brand new to our church, you're brand new in this room, or you're brand new watching online, we just wanna welcome you and say how grateful we are that you're here, grateful we are that you're with us, and we hope that you feel um, at home here already. We want you to know that you're already family. There's actually a number that we have, 972-945-9772. They'll put that on the screen, maybe. They're probably, they might not be ready, but. 972-945-9772 is our number. That's not an automated number, there's actually a person. So if you have questions, if you have concerns, if there's things that we can pray with you about, um, you can text us at that number and a person will text you back. A person is there right now ready to text you, whether you're watching online or you happen to be in this room. If you're brand new and you text VIP to that number, we're gonna give you a link uh, basically to to a $5 gift card kind of anywhere you wanna go just because we love you that much. Like, you know, that's the start. You know, sometimes uh, how, how things start really matters. And you know there's really great potential for a really great friendship, but the start of your friendship is someone giving you money. And uh, we really wanna do life with you and be your friend. And so we'd be glad to just start our friendship in a really beautiful way. And that's letting you know uh, that there's $5 waiting for you. So, um, so make sure you do that if you're new. That way we can just connect, get to know you a little bit better, tell you a little bit about our church. Our church is... Uh, pretty big, not just in terms of physical size, but it's big in terms of people. There's a lot of people here, which means there's a lot of people doing a lot of different things. And it can feel like if you're brand new that you're just jumping into a rushing stream. And uh, we don't want you to feel that way. We want you to feel like this is just a place you can be at home and come as you are. And we're really glad that you're here. So we're starting this this series called uh, The You Effect. And uh, we're talking about the effect of you. In 1972, um, during what was called the, the Meeting of the American Association for the Advancement of Science, the 139th meeting of such people. This scientist named Edward Lorenz asked this question. He said, uh, does the flap of a butterfly's wings in Brazil set off a tornado in Texas? Now we might have heard of that. We might have heard of that because that's come to be called the butterfly effect. He meant to demonstrate that little insignificant events uh, can lead to significant results over time. And um, there's a whole lot of physics involved in that. I'm not a physics person, but you can read all kinds of things about the butterfly effect and chaos theory. But uh, what we're talking about in this series is the effect that you and I have on everything around us. We may feel like you might be a person that you feel as if who you are doesn't make a huge impact on the world, uh, but the impact we make truly has the power to change, change the world for the better or for the worse. So we're gonna start today by just talking about our, um, our, our way of thinking. Because the first thing you and I gotta understand about the effect you and I have on people, on places, on things, on the world itself, is our thinking. So I wanna do this with you. They're gonna put this picture up on the screen. And um, yeah, this picture, but so like, what I want you to do is for 10 seconds, we're gonna try this. I haven't tried it in a room this big. I tried it with my phone and it worked. So I want you to stare basically at this white dot in the center of the screen for 10 seconds. I'm gonna count down internally in my head. So I'll, then then we're gonna switch the picture 
And I want you to see, and we're gonna switch the picture to a black and white image. I'm gonna tell you that up front. We're gonna switch this picture to a black and white image, but tell me if it looks black and white to you when you switch it. So let's switch the picture. So keep looking at the dot. Isn't that crazy? Now you might be seeing the black and white now, but what did you see at first? You saw color, unless you're colorblind like me and then it was just all messed up anyway and you don't even know, <laughs> you don't even know what normal's like. You're just like, I'm always living in a fantasy land. Like one time, uh, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get back to this, but one time, <laughs> Courtney for my birthday, you know, like you ever seen those videos of like in chroma lenses, they're, they're all over the place, like these people that are colorblind, they get these, colorblindness is like a first world problem anyway. Um, for most of us that have it. Uh, I, my life is totally fine being colorblind. I just have to ask people what color things are and I happen to wear black every day so I don't mismatch anything. Uh, but shades of black are hard, right? So um, I digress. So, so Courtney got me these glasses and, and in chroma glasses, these colorblind glasses, there's all these videos all over the internet of people that are colorblind putting these glasses on for the first time and weeping because of how beautiful the world is, right? Like I've never seen this before. So, so it's like this big thing. They're very expensive. It's like so Courtney, you know, her and some of my friends got together, bought me these, these lenses for my glasses a few years ago. And uh, so I put them on and we go outside. And I'm like, oh, okay. I thought that was actually uh, green, but that's red. That's interesting. You know, just little shades of stuff changed on me. So Courtney was a little bit disappointed in that, right? Because I didn't cry at all. <laughs> um, um, that's not what I wanted to mention about that, that graphic. So put the black and white one back up there, guys, just so you guys can see it. So I promise we didn't play a trick. This is actually a black and white picture. But when you go back to the other one, if you go back to the orange one, and it's orange and purple, right? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I do have to ask. So if you, if you, even if you look at this for a few seconds and you switch back, so switch back to the black and white one, it, it's still like, it still kind of catches you. Now here's, here's why that is in terms of science, like the science of your eyes. Um, because when your eyes see the vividness of that orange and purple, it automatically uh, ramps up the complementary colors to orange and purple, which are blue and green, so that when you look at the same image in black and white, your eyes see color. But the reason why I, I wanted you to, to see that is because what we decide to focus on will determine what we see. That's how our bodies work. It's like in your, in your life, you can go through life, right? And you can think that your perspective is uh, true and right and good because it's the only one you have. But if we're not aware of what shapes our perspective, um, then our perspective can be way off. We can be looking at a black and white image and going, oh no, that's in color based on what we saw before. Like think about how much, how much you and I go through life and we look at new situations that we've never experienced before. We look at new circumstances, new relationships, new people that we've never met before and we're like, oh, I know you because I knew this guy 10 years ago who was just like you. Well, even if someone's very similar, they're a different person. But what we choose to do is take the orange and purple of like our previous experience and overlay that on the black and white of our new experience and all of a sudden the colors are different. Um, so that's how our physical, our physical eyes work is what we decide to focus on change, changes our perspective. Now I wanna bring your attention to a chapter in the Bible, and I'm not gonna read you the whole chapter, um, <clears throat> but I want you to read Romans 12 at some point, 
because Romans 12 is really this, this chapter of the Bible for me personally. It's, it's been a massive life changer for me to hang out in this passage of scripture. Last year, Romans chapter 12 verse two was our verse for the year. Uh, 2020 was our year of transformation. So we talked a lot about transformation last year. But if you wanna understand the power of having the right kind of thinking about people in the church and about the kind of person God wants you to be, read Romans 12, it'll change your life. So Romans chapter 12, verse two says this. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know his will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And there's so many different ways we can go with this verse, right? So many of us, first of all, go through life and we're like, God, what's your will for my life? God's already answered that question. You have to figure it out. It's already figured out for you. Romans chapter 12, verse two says it right there. You know God's will for your life when you choose to transform into a new person by changing the way that you think. As soon as you begin to be the best you that you can possibly be, you are in God's will for your life. God's will for your life is not a job. God's will for your life is not a relationship. God's will for your life is not some kind of uh, ethereal calling that just exists out there. God's will for your life is for you just to be the best you that you can possibly be. But that's not even what I wanna mention today. What I wanna talk about is just this idea of changing our thinking. So God, so Paul says, Romans chapter 12, verse two, don't be conformed to this world, but allow God to transform you into a brand new person by changing the way that you think, right? So the way that the, the translation of like the Greek word there, okay, is um, have a better way of seeing things. So Paul says, don't, don't be like everybody else. Um, but allow God to transform you into a new person. Allow God to change the way that you see things in terms in, into a better way of seeing those things. Now this is a very simple thing that I'm talking about today. I'm not, I'm not gonna probably give you any earth shattering uh, revelation right now. But I wanna ask you a question. I want you to ask yourself a question. Um, is my thinking about the world, about myself, about anything, are my perceptions as good as they can possibly be right now? Do I have a positive outlook on life? Do I have a positive outlook on the world? You know, uh, the world's coming to an end, depending on who you talk to, for a bunch of different reasons. We're running out of food, they don't have enough land, uh, climate change, sea levels are rising. Um, I'm, I don't know if you've heard there's like a virus that's going around, right? Um, there's probably some other things I could go read about, really get myself all stirred up about how, about how bad the state of the world is. Now, the, the, the state of the world, depending on who you talk to, is really bad. You know, back in the 80s, um, in the 70s and 80s, they were talking about how we were gonna run out of food. They, they're still talking about that 30 years later. I mean, as far as I know, uh, we haven't run out. I ate a lot of food yesterday, and um, they didn't seem to have a problem with the amount of food I was eating in the restaurant. You know, I was like, you want more? Yeah, sure, man, like, uh, great, keep going. You know, there's like all these all-you-can-eat places that we love, Golden Corral's still in business, not that any of us wanna admit that we go there. Like if you don't, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't go to Golden Corral, good for you. Um, uh, I grew up with Pastor Keith going to Golden Corral all the time because that's where, that's where we would eat, Shoney's, Golden Corral, Bob's Big Boy, all kinds of places. So, um, so depending on the world, 
is, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this a little bit today, because the world, sometimes we feel like the world is just the way that it is. But what we're really describing is just our perspective on the world. Right? So we think, uh, um, well, I'll get to that. So there's a, there's a story that I really love uh, that, Max Lucado, that Max Lucado tells, and I want to tell it today. So once there's an old guy, an old man who lived in a tiny little village. And although he was poor, he was envied by everybody in the village because he owned a beautiful white horse. This is a real horse, by the way. These things are amazing. It's called like the Golden Horse of Turkmenistan. They're the coolest looking horses ever. I digress. So... <laughs> Even the king of the whole nation covered, uh, coveted this guy's horse. A horse like this uh, had never been seen before. Its splendor, its majesty, its strength. People offered fabulous prices for this horse, but the old man always refused. He said, this horse is not a horse to me, it's a person. How could you sell a person? Now some of you, you understand what I'm saying when you talk about animals. Uh, how could you sell a person? He's a friend, not a possession. How could you sell a friend? The man was poor and the temptation was great, but he never sold the horse. So one morning, he found that the horse was not in the stable. All the village came to see him. You old fool, they said. We told you that someone would steal your horse. You're so poor, how could you ever hope to protect such a valuable animal? <clears throat> it, would have, it would have been better to have sold him you could have gotten whatever price you wanted. No amount would have been too high. Now the horse is gone and you've been cursed with misfortune. Now the old man responded. He said, don't speak too quickly. Say only that the horse is not in the stable. This is all we know. The rest is judgment. If I've been cursed or not, how can you know? How can you judge? The people contested, don't make us out to be fools. We may not be philosophers, but great philosophy is not needed. The simple fact is that your the simple fact that your horse is gone is a curse. The old man spoke again. All I know is that the stable is empty and the horse is gone. The rest I don't know. Whether it whether it be a curse or a blessing, I can't say. All I see is a fragment. Who knows what will come next? The people of the village laughed. They thought this man was crazy. They had always thought he was a fool, and if he wasn't, he would have sold the horse and lived off the money. But instead, he was a poor woodcutter, an old man still cutting firewood and dragging it out of the forest and selling it. He lived hand to mouth in the misery of poverty, and now he had proven that he was indeed also a fool. After 15 days, the horse returned. He hadn't been stolen, he'd run away into the forest. Not only had he returned, he'd brought a dozen wild horses with him. Once again, the village people gathered around the woodcutter and spoke, old man, you were right and we were wrong. What we thought was a curse was a blessing. Please forgive us. The man responded, once again, you go too far. Say only that the horse is back. State only that the dozen horses returned with him, but don't judge. How do you know if this is a blessing or not? You see only a fragment. Unless you know the whole story, how can you judge? You read only one page of a book. Can you judge the whole book? You read only one word of a phrase. Can you understand the entire phrase? Life is so vast, yet you judge all of life with one page or one word. All you have is a fragment. Don't say that this is a blessing. No one knows. I am content with what I know. I'm not disturbed by what I don't. 
Maybe the old man is right, they said to each other. So they didn't say much. But down deep, they knew he was wrong. (laughs) They knew it was a blessing. Twelve wild horses had returned with one horse. And with a little bit of work, the animals could be broken and trained and sold for money. The old man had a son. He had an only son. And the young man began to break the wild horses. And after a few days, he fell from one of the horses and broke both legs. Once again, the villagers gathered around the old man and cast their judgments. You were right, they said. You proved you were right. The dozen horses were not a blessing. They were a curse. Your only son has broken his legs. And now in your old age, you have no one to help you. Now you're poorer than ever. The old man spoke again. You people are obsessed with judging. Don't go so far. Say only that my son broke his legs. Who knows if it's a blessing or a curse? No one knows. We have only a fragment. Life comes in fragments. It so happened that a few weeks later, the country engaged in a war against the neighboring country. All the young men of the village were required to join the army. Only the son of the old man was excluded because he was injured. Once again, the people gathered around the old man, crying and screaming because their sons had been taken. There was little chance that they would return. The enemy was strong. The war was a losing struggle and they would never see their sons again. You were right, old man, they wept. God knows you were right. This proves it. Your son's accident was a blessing. His legs may be broken, but at least he is with you. Our sons are gone forever. The old man spoke again. It's impossible to talk with you. (laughs) You always draw conclusions. No one knows. Say only this. Your sons had to go to war, and mine did not. No one knows if it's a blessing or a curse. No one is wise enough to know. Only God knows. So I want to ask you this question, and I want you to ask yourself this question. What's the difference between perception and reality? So because there's like reality, there's the world as it is, right? It exists, like we're all here actually in this room right now, or if you're watching online, you're watching from wherever you're watching, you're actually a physical person that's existing at a moment in time. Um, We believe that. Um, And then there's also the way that we see the world. There's the way that we see the reality in which we live. There's the perspective that you have on your job, your relationships, where you are in life, the state of the world, your politics, all these different kinds of things. So what is the difference between reality and perception? I'm gonna break it down just real simple. Reality is fact. Perception is judgment. So reality is me saying, hey, this happened, right? So like I woke up this morning. That's reality, right? I'm alive, I'm here, standing on a stage, I'm talking to you. All of those things are reality. Now, if I say I woke up this morning and I was angry, right, uh, that's, that's a judgment. I woke up this morning and I decided I'm gonna have a bad day. I woke up this morning and I was upset. I woke up this morning and I was tired. I woke up this morning and I was whatever. That's a judgment. I'm standing on this stage right now and I hate it, right? Don't like talking. I'm an introvert, right? All of those things are judgments based on how I perceive reality. Seneca said it this way. He said, we suffer more often in imagination than reality. So you think about the things in your life that really suck right now. The reason they really suck is not because the facts themselves are difficult, although facts can be difficult. Objective reality can be hard. When people experience suffering or they experience trauma or they experience difficulty, 
those things can be hard. But the reason why they're hard is because how you perceive those things affecting you. So I remember in 2019, and we, we talk about it quite frequently here in 2019 when Pastor Keith had a heart attack. He's my dad, he's like my mentor, he's like my best friend, all these different things. So I was thinking in my mind, you know, there's no way I could live life without my dad because of how I perceive our relationship and how I perceive my personal immaturity. If I don't have coaching, I'm a mess, okay? So who's gonna coach me? Who's gonna coach me and care about me? So, so his heart attack deeply affected me because of my perception of his heart attack. So like even the things in our life that are really, really bad, that are really, really scary, that really, 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 we feel like are gonna affect us in a really negative way, that's all a perception, that's all judgment. Like if I go through something difficult, if I lose my job, if, uh, if the world does in fact come to an end, if everybody dies, whatever, um, is that a bad thing? For me to say it's a bad thing is a, is a judgment. It's not a reality. Goodness and badness are only, are only judgments that we make of situations. Now you might sit here and go, well, that's, that's not true, that's not how it works. Okay, let me ask you a question. Is working out a good thing or a bad thing? Is eating healthy a good thing or a bad thing? Now, depending on, uh, well, let me just say it this way. Eating healthy is a bad thing, always. Because <laughs> there's mouth food and there's body food. This is what I'm talking to my three-year-old about right now. There's mouth food and there's body food. Mouth food is food that just makes your mouth feel good. Right, just delicious. It's awful. It's bad, but also good, right? Body food is bad, but also good as well. Because it might make your mouth feel bad, but it'll make your body feel good. Right? It's just how it works. Physical exercise is the same way, you know? No, I can't say nobody wants to exercise, but I don't want to exercise, ever. You know, I've done a lot of exercise in my life. I've done enough to know I hate every version of it. Like people go, people will come up to me and they'll say, hey, you just haven't tried this thing yet. Like I don't need to try that thing. I've done a million other things. I don't like skiing. I don't like biking. I don't like running. I don't like climbing. I don't like hiking. I don't like fishing. Fishing is exercise. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like none. I don't like walking around the mall. Uh, I don't like VR, I don't like whatever version of it you wanna call it, I don't like Wii Bowling, I don't do none of this stuff. It's like, do I have to move? No, not, not planning on it, thanks, appreciate that. Is there a version of this where I can sit down as I'm doing it? Because it seems a lot like exercise right now. I don't like to move physically, okay? When I go, when I go to the doctor every six months, uh, I'm like, I'm more than willing to just check, like, yeah, sedentary lifestyle, that's your boy. <laughs> right? I don't have a, I mean, sure, maybe I do have a sedentary lifestyle. I don't know, based on, you know, it's like these people are like, moderate exercise, four to six times a week. That's moderate? That's crazy. That's a lot. Anyway. <laughs> um, so we look at, a lot of us look at physical exercise as bad, because it takes time and I have to, and, I, and it's hard, it's difficult. My heart pumps, my, my muscles get sore, all these different things. So that in the moment 
feels like a bad thing. Like if you went today and you lifted a bunch of weights, your muscles are gonna be sore. Muscles being sore is not just like good and enjoyable, okay? Long term though, if you develop a physical, healthy lifestyle, your life is good. So things in the moment that seem really bad and difficult and hard for whatever reason can actually in the long term produce good results in our life. So much so that we can look back, look back at things that in a moment we once saw as bad and go, wow, that was actually the best thing that could have happened in that situation. Like some of you have gone through really difficult breakups or really difficult divorces that you never really saw yourself going through that. But then now your life is so much better than it was before that you're almost halfway grateful that that person blew the whole thing up. You maybe wish that they wouldn't have in the way that they did, but you also don't see yourself ever being with them again. And so now your perception of the past situation has completely changed in a positive sense. Now that's how powerful perception is in our life. So it's not the facts of the situation that are difficult, it's, the, it's our judgment of those facts. If I go, if I get a cancer diagnosis this week, uh, not that I'm being tested for that, but if I get a cancer diagnosis, I'm gonna think in my mind, my natural default is, this is really bad. This is a bad thing. But I'm actually in control of my perception. I'm actually in control of my judgments. And I can go, maybe the reality is not super great. Maybe the facts don't seem good, but how can I have a good perception about this issue? So it's never the facts of the situation that are the most difficult things. It's our judgment of those facts. And that's super easy for me to talk about. It's super simple to say, but that's really hard to live out. So Marcus Aurelius said it this way. He said, choose not to be harmed and you won't be harmed. Don't feel harmed and you haven't been. That's how powerful perception can be. You know, think about it this way. When another person uh, acts mean, what we say is they're mean. When we're mean with people, we're like, oh, I'm just struggling today. That's how powerful perception is. None of us walk around unless we're maybe the, you know, most self-judgmental person on the planet and say, well, I'm just a mean person. Like, if you say that to yourself, like, be a little bit more positive about yourself, okay? Like, you're great sometimes, I'm sure. <laughs> when, 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 when she, like when a person, when a friend of yours is set in their ways, they're stubborn. When you and I are set in our ways, we're convicted. Like I got conviction. No, I just got strong convictions about stuff, right? When they don't like your friends, they're prejudiced. Uh, when, when you don't like their friends, you're showing good judgment. When, uh, when, when I try to be accommodating, it's playing favorites. When you do it, you're being kind, right? When, when you take time to do things, you're slow. When they do, they're deliberate, right? Like, no, I'm just deliberate, I'm on purpose. No, it takes me a long time. Yeah, Courtney, like Courtney's always ready way before me, by the way. I'm, like, I wear a uniform every day. You think it would take me way less time to get ready in the morning? No, I just, I just go a lot slower because I'm deliberate, right? Um, when, when they pick flaws, they're negative. When you do it, you're discerning, right? Like I grew up in church where it's like, no, it's discernment. I can criticize somebody because I'm practicing discernment. I can put a spiritual word on it and therefore uh, embrace my judgments. Um, this, is how, this is how powerful perception is because when we look at other people, 
It's like social media is great at this, right? Because you see all these people's flaws. Like Karen is such a hard, I, if your name is Karen, I feel so bad for you, right? You didn't get to decide, like you didn't get to decide your name. I know, you know, you could probably go change your name if you want, but you've probably had it for so long. You're like, I don't want to be known as not Karen. And hopefully this Karen thing will go away someday. There's like a guy version of it. There's a few different guy versions of it. There's like Chad, there's Kyle. You know, if those are your names, that's, those are really hard names uh, um, to have because of the perception of people with that name, right? So if, a, if now, if, a, if, a old, if not an older, if a middle-aged woman uh, goes in and wants to speak to the manager, automatically, you're what? You're Karen. Karen's here. Doesn't matter how legitimate the issue is. Karen's gonna talk to us, and she's got a certain kind of haircut, and you know, she's got her phone out, blah, 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 right? Got rhinestones all over it, you know. So, I'm not hating on rhinestones, I'm just saying, leave them, 2021, it's done, like let's move. I don't know what we're doing now, but it's not that. So, so the perception of a, of a woman who wants to speak to a manager doesn't matter what the legitimacy of their concerns are, it's just you're automatically lumped into that group of people. If your name is Karen, people, the people who never met you are gonna go, mm, okay. Yeah, we'll see. First impression, you don't even know them. Like used to, someone would just be able to look at you and like go, oh, I don't know if I like them that much. Just based on how they look. Now they just hear your name. They're like, oh, I don't wanna hang out with her. You've never even seen her before. Yeah, it's her name, man, you know? So, uh, so in life, we go through life and we put so much judgments on other people. We judge other people's behavior as mean or ill-mannered or all these different things when we don't necessarily have any idea of the situation. And the truth is, if we put ourselves in the same situation, we got all kinds of explanations for why we would do that. So, oh, that person's mean, but you know, I'm just having a bad day today. You know, that cashier at Taco Bell, they're probably never gonna see you again. So like if you walk away and you had a bad experience with them, they just think you're a mean person forever. So in life, this is how, this is how powerful our perceptions are. I have a friend of mine who, I went to ORU, I graduated from ORU, and uh, I have a friend of mine who did the same thing. He loved ORU so much. Um, I will probably never be invited back to ORU because I, hated is a strong word, but I hated my experience in college. There's so many people like the best memories of their life are when they went to college. It's like, oh, just all my best friends. I got no friends from college. Nobody, I didn't hang out with anybody. I don't do life with nobody from school. I don't have nobody's number, nothing. I didn't want to. It wasn't even like I didn't, I was like, I don't want, no, I want nothing to do with none of y'all. Wearing me out. Just about every, every semester I was at ORU, I was like, this is the one I'm leaving. This is the one I'm leaving. Can't do it, can't do it anymore. It's crazy. Honestly, ORU's great, they're like cool Christian school. If you homeschool your kids, they're the perfect school for you to send them to college to, because they will homeschool them too, 100%. Like now it's gotten a little bit better, but when I went to school there, curfew, 11 o'clock every night. I didn't have curfew when I was in high school. If all of a sudden I got a curfew, I gotta check in with my RA? Like, I can't leave on a weekend without signing out and giving the contact information of the place I'm going for the weekend for how, like I felt like I was getting a, a pass from jail. Like, hey, you can go, but we gotta contact the adult 
I mean, I know you're 20, but you know, we can't really trust you to exist out in society. I still, just let me work through it, okay? I'm just up here talking about it. When I, when I, when I, my freshman year at ORU, we weren't allowed to wear tennis shoes to class. I had to wear dress shoes every day. It's ridiculous. This is why I wear a t-shirt every day now. I couldn't wear a t-shirt. I had to wear a collared shirt. I would get in trouble at ORU if I didn't have my shirt tucked in. As a college student. Yeah, see? You, you hear that? Oh. I know, right? And I, had a, and I have a friend that loved every day that they, like I didn't even know ORU was in, the, was in the tournament. I was watching like Gonzaga was my team this year. So I was watching Gonzaga. And uh, like, hey, did you see ORU won? I'm like, I don't care. I didn't go to one game. <laughs> what do you mean you graduated from there? Yeah, like, so this person's like, well, do you know the fight song? I'm like, they have a fight song? That's crazy. <clears throat> There's so many things I could get into regarding my experience at ORU. But my perception when I was there was how bad this school was. Now in my life, I'm being funny, but now in my life, the greatest, one of the greatest times in my life where I matured as an adult and as a person was when I was in school. Because I had to deal with a bunch of stuff that I wasn't in control of and have a good attitude anyway. And that's exactly what I needed. Like there might be some people, they need to go to college and they don't need to have their tail kicked every day by all kinds of rules and regulations they don't like and they can just go have a good time. For me, what I needed out of school was like a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't like because I had to learn how to submit to stuff like that. So this person who I went to school with, they loved it, maybe they loved rules, I don't know. But my perception at the time was how awful this was. Well now in my life, I'm grateful that I experienced that uh, because it helped me to be a mature person. It helped me in life to be a mature person. Before I went to ORU, and it's still in my life, I'm a pretty late bloomer, so I'm still pretty immature. But in, in, my, in my life, uh, before I went to ORU, most places I was just like Keith Kraft's son, right? Most places I was, I was like, I, I didn't really have to maybe uh, operate by the rules like I should have. So going to a place like that, it totally changed my life for the better. So we go through life and we think, well, my perception is my reality, which is true, but we, but we can't say our perceptions are always right. It's one thing to say perception is reality, which is true, but perception is not, is not always right. So how do we have the right perception? I just wanna end right here. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 21. At the end of this chapter of scripture, here's what Paul says. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We should, we should intentionally, like I wanna ask you this question today, how can you have the right perspective about your life right now? How can you have a good, per, let's not even say right, say good. How can you have a good perspective about the world today? How can you have a good perspective about the state of our country? How can you have a good perspective about whatever it is that we're experiencing? You know, when Goliath came against the Israelites, uh, all the soldiers thought, man, he's so big. We could never kill this guy. That was their perspective. David's perspective was, man, he's so big, I can't miss this dude. <laughs> it's the power of perspective in our life. If we get to the point in our life where, um, where we change our thinking, if we can change our thinking, our reality will change. It's the truth. Like I look back at ORU, and I know I'm being funny, uh, but I look back at ORU and I'm grateful that I got to have that experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm glad I didn't leave. I'm glad that I continued to come back, even though like every semester up until my junior year, I wanted to leave 
going. I graduated in three and a half years because I just couldn't take it anymore. So one summer I took 21 hours over the summer just so I could graduate early, you know, just to get out. I mean, I was writing like five page papers every day, just like, please let me be done with the school. Um, and that was me at 21. But now at 33, I'm really grateful that I got to have that experience because that's exactly what I needed for me to be on the trajectory that I've been on in my life. So in your life, maybe instead of going through things and then adjusting your perspective later and going, wow, like I struggled so hard through that, but now I'm really grateful that happened. What if you could be grateful right now that it's happening? What if, what, if you're, what, if, what if you looked at this situation that you're in today and your perspective was, hey, like how can I find what is beneficial for me in this situation? Not, not necessarily what is good, because good is a little bit too subjective, but what can benefit me out of this difficulty? And then as you see that, you all of a sudden find yourself on the other side of it emotionally. And maybe you still have to go through the situation, the circumstance, but don't allow um, evil to overcome you. Overcome evil by doing good. Don't allow the difficulty of the facts or the reality of the situation to overcome you. Overcome evil by doing good in your thinking. And just start there. How can I think good about this situation? Hey, let me pray for you today. So if you're in this room or you're watching online, um, just bow your heads and close your, and close your eyes with me because really proper thinking in, in our life starts with us understanding the fact that God's in control of it all. You know, you and I, we have the privilege and the benefit to focus on our thinking uh, because there's a God that's in control of the whole universe. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse 28, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. You know, each one of us are called according to God's purpose. But we gotta, we gotta make a choice to love him, to join, to join uh, our lives in following Jesus. And you might be sitting here in this room, you might be watching online, and you might go, well, you know, I know who Jesus is, or maybe I feel like I've been a Christian before, but I don't really follow him that well. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm a believer, but I don't live that lifestyle yet. What Jesus is inviting you into is not just belief. What he invites you into is living like him, thinking like him looking at a chapter in the Bible like Romans 12 and going, how can I think that way and live that way and overcome evil by doing good? Really the only way to do that is to choose to follow Jesus. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.